welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about My Neighbor Totoro. Jan, do you want to tell us a bit about this movie? Yes, I sure do. My Neighbor Totoro is a 1988 Japanese movie written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki and produced by Studio Ghibli. We watched the English dub version that was uh, put out by Disney in 2005. It stars the voices of uh, Dakota Fanning and Elle Fanning, Tim Daly, Leia Salonga, Frank Welker, and Pat Carroll. It was released in Japan in 88, dubbed by Disney, but dubbed by Fox in 93, and then dubbed again by Disney and distributed by Disney to a much wider distribution in 2005. Right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the plot of Totoro, Paul? Sure. So, uh, sisters May and Satsuki have moved with their father to a new house in the country. This new house has soot gremlins, soot sprites in it, and is also near a forest that has forest spirits, whom May dubs Totoro. Totoro is friendly. They have an adventure with Totoro. Meanwhile, their mother is at the hospital with some unspecified sickness. May decides to travel, walk, the three-hour walk to the hospital by herself to bring her mother corn to help her mother feel better. Mm -hmm. She gets lost, and Satsuki gets Totoro's help to find her again. That's the story That's the of story. Totoro. I mean, she rides on the cat bus to find her. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about our personal histories with this movie before we get into the discussion of it? Yes, I definitely do. All right. When, when did you first see Totoro? What's your experience with Totoro? I saw it definitely before the Disney English version in because I saw it in early university, which would be in early 2001 or two. Um, basically I had friends who were really into Japanese movies. We watched, uh, Spirited Away. And then at some point during that year, I watched Totoro as well. Uh, we had, a, we mutually had a professor mm-hmm. who, English professor, and, uh, we watched Totoro at his house one time. Yeah. I, I think mean, probably together. Probably was. What's your first, uh, Miyazaki movie that you saw? Uh, Princess Mononoke. Did you see it in theaters? No, 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 no. Did not see it. I don't think I've ever seen a Miyazaki in theaters. I saw Princess Mononoke in theaters. Oh, really? I didn't know anything about it. Mm. I went uh, with a girlfriend at the time, and she was like... Not me. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) It was long before we met. Not long. It was... Yeah. It was before we went. Long before we were dating. It's okay, Jen. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, she knew, like, all about it and kind of expected me to. And, like, mm. I wonder who's here because they like princesses and who's here because they know about Miyazaki. And I'm like, I don't, I've never heard of this at all. <laughs> I'm here because and I like you. <laughs> and, like, who's here because they're a Neil Gaiman fan? And I, right. I didn't know Neil Gaiman at that time either. Um, and then Totoro, I saw... Probably for the first time was when I saw it at our professor's house Mm -hmm. with his kids. And I have seen it many, many times since then, very Mm -hmm. many times in 
both the subtitled and the dubbed version. We watched it this time with the English dub, but when we were done, we showed it to our kids with the subtitles and asked them, like, are you good enough, basically, are you good enough at reading now that you could keep up with subtitles? And they both say yes. And they were both really excited about, next time we watch this, let's watch it with subtitles. I'm super excited to do that. (laughs) It's so excited. I definitely, when I was in university and watched more subtitled things, I was scandalized by dubbed versions and how dare they have a dubbed version of Totoro. And then, of course, I had kids and was like, oh, yeah, kids can't read subtitles. I mean, I guess we could have shown it to them in Japanese and they would have, like liked it but like to be able to show it to them yeah was a reason why like oh it kind of dawned on me after having kids of why it was important that this movie got dubbed this one of all movies and dubbed so well yeah this one and kiki's delivery service are my two like very kid-friendly miyazaki movies yeah that i would that i have watched with my kids and love and they love and yeah this is a beloved movie. I used to put it on, like, when my kids were sick at home. I'd often just put on Totoro. After, now that we've gushed all about it. How do you think, like, what, let's, let's try yeah. to talk objectively about the craft that went into this movie. And there's mm-hmm. some things that I happen to know about the process that Miyazaki goes through in making a movie that I'm going to yeah. put out before we even talk about it. And that is, legend has it, whether it's true or not, I suspect it is, that Miyazaki does not storyboard his movies. He does mm. not go in, he starts making the movie before he has fully uh, written a script or a plot or a whatever. He doesn't necessarily know where the movie's going when he starts it. Hmm. That's kind of amazing. And that's why his movies tend to be very freewheeling mm-hmm. in terms of the plot. And even this movie does. Yeah. So having said that, also uh, maybe I want to say that Miyazaki, I'm saying his name Like, the writer-director of this movie is one of these, if you're unfamiliar with Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli, he's Mm -hmm. one of these auteur directors who other people are involved in making every movie, but this is his movie, his vision, his story, his, he'll have designed the characters, he'll have described to the animators exactly how everything should be looking. He's a strong figure controlling the creation that you have yeah, when you're done. Absolutely. So how, how's the craft in this movie? How good of a job is everybody doing? Um, amazing. And let's, <laughs> let's talk about the English dub. English dub, that we yes. watched. Um, yeah, I could talk, let's talk first about the voice acting, just to get in, into that part before we talk about the animation. The voice acting, I mean, I think it was a good call to get sisters. I think yeah. I think that Elle Fanning and, and Dakota Fanning who now, man, they're so famous, um, really riffed off of each other well and really seemed like sisters. I think matching the, I mean, in your stereotypical Japanese dub, matching the mouth and the voice is always tricky and has historically been done very poorly, Mm -hmm. that these ones are actually done well. Yeah, And there are moments where it's like when they're shouting, like, come out, come out wherever you are. And you're like, they're not saying that. Mm -hmm. But it is, and like, they do just a really good job. Those two girls did a a really portray those those, uh, characters, Mei and Satsuke, really well. Agreed. 
And I'm just, in terms of dubbing, that's partly down to the English scriptwriter too. Yes, yeah. That you've seen the bad dubbing where they just add a bunch of nonsense words to mm-hmm. fill the number of syllables. Like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you guys are coming here, okay, yeah, la? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly, what? What, yeah. What was that at the end? <laughs> yeah. Um, and this movie does not have any, this dub yeah. does not have any of that feeling ever. No. And I totally agree that... The two girls do a great job. Mm-hmm. I particularly, Elle is the younger one, right? Yes. Dakota Fanning was already a known name when this came out, and mm-hmm. Elle Fanning was not at all. Yeah. And now she also is. Yeah. Right. They both do a really good job. Elle Fanning is adorable. Like, her voice acting is adorable, adorable, and May's character is adorable. Yep. And it would be very easy for that character to be annoying mm-hmm. and that's down partly to the design and animation writing but it's also the acting you could easily make that kid annoying mm-hmm. and elf anning does not to me I, I find her really endearing yeah and I it's like, tricky like having an actual child do the child acting i appreciate i think that's the way to go a lot of the time but it's tricky because child actors Good child actors are hard to come by, especially child voice actors. Can we have a shout out to Frank Welker, who does <sighs> voices of animals? Like, that's his, uh, that's his wheelhouse. Thing. Yeah, if Totoro. You, if you start paying attention to the credits of anything, anything animated, TV, movie, whatever, suddenly you'll notice Frank Welker's name everywhere, because he is all the animals. He's both Appa and Momo in Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And many other things, but those that's where I learned his name. Mm-hmm. And you're, there's some real Appa in Totoro. Yes. Or vice versa. Yeah, vice versa. Um, so he, he's the voice of Totoro and does so well at it. Mm-hmm. So well, you don't even really think of the fact that there's a person doing that voice. Exactly. So exactly. I want to just shout out yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Tim Daly is best known for being in Wings, mm-hmm. but he also uh, has often voiced Superman. Oh, really? And I really can kind of see in the voicing of this father, he's got this real uh, um, wholesomeness to his mm-hmm. voice in this performance that he brings yeah. also to Superman. Mm-hmm. And Leah Salongo does has barely anything to do in this movie. Yeah. But I, Did we look up? Is she the one who sings the... Yes, she theme. sings the theme. So that she that is showing off her talents more yep. than her dialogue yep. is. If you don't know who Leia Salonga is, she is the singing voice of Jasmine in Aladdin. And other things, but that's her best known. Yeah, exactly. So we've gone through voice acting. So in terms of the quality of the craft that everyone's doing, let's talk for a second about the animation. Yes. I mean, when we first turned it on... I we turned it on, then we paused it to like you know get our pizza ready or whatever. And I was like, look at this, girls! Look at this beautiful painting that is this first second of this movie. Mm-hmm. That the backgrounds are all gorgeous, like art in the backgrounds, and then the characters' animation on top of that. I assume that it's traditional cell animation. I don't actually know. Yeah, I assume so. I. Japanese animation is just so different from Western that I just don't even know how it's in done. In its style? In its style. In its, like, history. Mm. It's just a massively different history than Western animation. Anyway, 
I assume it's Cell. It's gorgeous backgrounds and then the characters in the foreground. And one of the things, I don't know if it's specifically the animation, but one of the things that uh, is done in so many Miyazaki movies, but this one specifically, is the children, the way that kids move is so true to life. Mm-hmm. You have... Uh, they go to the house and he's like, take off, he says to the girls, like, take off your shoes. And Sasuke doesn't want to. And so she walks on her knees and has her like little moment where she's like walking on her knees, keeping her feet up off the ground in a way that kids totally do that. I remember doing that as a kid. Or when like, they uh, find that the post is rotten. And so they both just like push it back and yeah. forth. And it, I mean, that's less, uh, that is also animating their movement it's also like just a character moment Mm -hmm. but just speaking of capturing childhood yeah just some just in the animation it captures the way that people move and especially the way that children move and interact with the world and he just has a way of capturing that that feeling that childhood Mm mm-hmm so I feel like that's part of all part of the animation, as well as like the backgrounds being gorgeous, being not realistic but painted. Yeah, they look like a watercolor painting. Yeah, because they are. They are. <laughs> yeah, totally. Animation can't really say enough good things about it. I love everything from the character designs to the way that it moves to the color choices to. It's so well animated. I'm not crazy about the Studio Ghibli house style and really common in Japanese animation in general. Very square jaw for like a baby or old person Mm. that may has this extremely square jaw with a tiny point at the end of it. Mm -hmm. I really like the way that looks. Mm. Okay. But that's a taste thing. Yeah. And... Everything else about this movie, I think, is, like, fantastically designed and mm-hmm. animated. And animated. The plot itself, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, what actually happens in this movie, not a lot. It's just, like, their mom is sick, but she doesn't get better. She doesn't get worse. They think she might be worse, but that's it. They meet this creature that is real or isn't real is real what are you talking about (laughs) probably real they thought he was a dream but it wasn't a dream insert clip here (laughs) yeah okay he's 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 real (laughs) You and only see him when, when you're, you're very young. You only see him when you're very young. A magical adventure. Sorry, for I'm you. <laughs> I'm interrupting. Finish your thought. Um, and then like okay, so that's the plot is that they move to a new place, they meet Totoro, their mom is sick, nothing really gets resolved. Yeah, and but it's just a beautiful little story. Like it's just a this lovely is... little slice of their life. And that's about it. This is really, I think, of Miyazaki and of Totoro above all, when I think of movies or stories that just do not follow the rules of uh, narrative structure. Yeah. 
this movie ignores the rules of narrative structure completely. Yeah. And partly because it's not Western. Yeah. Those are Western because rules. Because those are Western rules that are not as universal mm-hmm. as Westerners want to believe that they are. But also partly, like, I have no doubt that uh, Miyazaki knows those rules mm-hmm. and could use them if he wanted to. Yeah. But, like, no, nothing gets resolved. The the re- the real conflict within the movie is when May gets lost mm-hmm. and then she gets found again. Yeah. But a lot of the movie is not about that. No. That's such a small part of the movie. So a lot of the movie has nothing to do with her getting lost. Mm-hmm. And the real conflict, like the true uh, soul of the conflict of the movie is about the, their mother's sickness, which is just in the background. Yeah. And nothing doesn't progress and doesn't resolve and doesn't barely, like if you're a kid watching it, you might not even really notice that their mother is sick because they talk about, I guess you'd notice. No, it is part of the movie. But it's like. No, it's, I think it's a pretty important part of the movie that she, their mom is sick. That's why they've moved. That's why yeah. they're doing everything they're doing okay i have a question we usually do highlights lowlights um are there any lowlights that you want to draw attention to are there any lowlights you might remember if you have gone back and listened if you have been a listener of way too seriously since the beginning if you've gone back and listened to our oh, first yeah. episodes when our rating system was different we used to rate things on a scale from uh, strange magic from strange magic at the low end to Totoro at the top end. Right. Totoro was what we came up with in our mind. Is like, what's the movie that's like as good as we can imagine a movie being? You're right, and it was Totoro. It was Totoro. There you go. So yeah, I don't. I mean, when we get into the way too seriously, I'll talk about Granny, but I don't think she's a low light. I think she just like I want to talk about her character. So. If there's a low light, it has to, in my mind, it has to be related to the plot. Yeah, it has to be that what I, the one thing that I wanted when I watched it this time specifically was not for the mom to get better, not for the mom to come home or whatever, but for when they get on the cat bus to go back to Granny's or their hometown or whatever for there to be a reunion scene there because May is still missing in the minds of everyone back hmm. where they live. And so to have maybe May Sasuke communicate to them that May has been found. Right. There was Except we don't care what Granny thinks. Yes. We don't That's care true. if Granny feels better about May. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. For me, what I've noticed before and really did this time if there's a low light, and I don't know that it is, but what do the soot sprites have to do with anything? Oh, no, because they open up the magical world. They open up the idea of there's magic here. There's spirits here. Right. Oh, see, now we just got to get into it. Okay. We just so, gotta get, are you ready to get into the way too seriously? I am. Um, oh, you want to talk about... Did we talk about how much we enjoyed it? I mean, I love Totoro. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we can talk about, for a second, how much we enjoyed this movie personally, which is, the answer is, a lot. Because I've been watching this movie over and over since I first watched it, oh my goodness, 18 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I enjoy this movie a lot. Yeah. 
So let's get into the way too seriously portion of our show. I whispered that. Should I not whisper that? Whatever. <laughs> um, let's. And you have been uh, chomping at the bit. So chomping go. At the bit. Say what you want to say. You what, was start. I, what was I about to say? Granny? Something about Granny? No, before that. I mean, after that. The magic? The magic. It's just like the way in which uh, you say the sits rights don't make sense in terms of the whole movie, but no, because they arrive at the house and there's spirits there. There's gremlins, there's soot sprites, they have different names. I don't know, you know, I'm sure if I spoke Japanese, it would link a little more even. Mm -hmm. That there's something magical about this place. There's something haunted. And so that opens up their minds to Totoro being there. And May would have seen him anyway. Hmm. Because May is a small child. Yeah. Who is, she sees the soot sprites more the most at the beginning and she catches one even and then realizes that her hands are just dirty and mm-hmm. thinks it's gotten away. And so she would have seen Totoro anyway, but that, but the soot sprites being there and opens the world up for, for Satsuke too. Okay. I was never in doubt about the soot sprites thematic relevance but in plot terms, I think you've just given me something that I hadn't quite seen before. And I think you're right. I think in like strict p- plot terms, if the soot sprites weren't there, Satsuke wouldn't have seen Totoro because her mind would not have been opened to yeah, the spirit world. That's my thought on it. I think you're right. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, so where... Granny? Go. Take us away. <laughs> give us a Can little bit of... Can we just talk... Can I just do my rant do about rant. how much I hate Granny <laughs> so much? Um, I could start with the fact that she's called Granny despite not being related to them, although that is a cultural thing that is fine. I feel like she's forcing them to be like, you're my special kids now when they just met her. That's what bothers me. I'm very curious about whether what she gets called in Japanese is identical to what you call your parents' parent. Yeah, oh, I'd say not. Definitely not. Yeah. I would love to know what the word translates as a little better than... But it's still... She's still too familiar with them to me. For a stranger, she's yep. too familiar. Um, because she's trying to make up for the fact that their mom is in the hospital. Mm-hmm. But the things that she does... she. She's taking care of May, and she's like, oh, she was crying for you, so I brought her to your school, little 10-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And now you take care of her. Like, what a crappy babysitter. That's completely and unacceptable. she, like, has vegetables and is like, your mom is going re- to be better if she eats these vegetables. These vegetables will cure her. No, don't tell kids that. That's a horrible thing to tell children who have a sick parent that your that thing that vegetables will magically cure cure them, and that's the reason that May runs away is because she's mm-hmm. giving the magic vegetables to her mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, response. <laughs> uh, I was just gonna poke in to say, yeah, no kidding, that's awful. Reminds me a little bit of uh, magician's nephew, though. Mm. Remember. Diggory goes off to find magic fruit that's going to heal his mother. Right. I don't know if uh, 
Miyazaki would have known the magician's nephew. I imagine healing food is not an that's not an uncommon thing. Thing anyway. Continue. Oh, that's my. Is point. that it? That's, because is there the more thing that she does that the thing that she says that is she has two more moments that I throw up my hands at. One is I was so sure that was her sandal. Oh, I was absolutely yeah. positive it was her sandal, and she oh, was drowned. Granny. It's not hers. Oh, thank goodness. I was positively certain that sandal belonged to me. All right, Granny just got carried away again. Hey! That Granny got carried away a moment is a comedy moment, and it's also like a moment of tension that gets resolved that... But if you think for a second about what she just did to Satsuke. Yeah. She got carried away. She had Satsuke convinced that her sister had drowned. drowned. Like, yeah. that's awful. Yeah. But the thing that, in my mind, pushes it over to, like, keep this woman away from your children is when she says, Maybe she's dead already. <laughs> Now, don't say that, sweetheart. How could she ever leave such sweet girls like you? Oh, don't cry. Your mom won't die. How could she leave such wonderful children? Oh, yes. And that, like, is horrifying. Oh, it's a horrible thing to say. Don't and ever it. say that to children. Because people <sighs> die. Yeah. Oh, oh. Granny is horrible. And if she did die... May would now think it was because she wasn't a good kid. Yeah. You put in her head that her mom is going to get better because she's good. And therefore, if her mom doesn't get better, it's because she's bad. Like, no, that's horrible. Yeah. It makes me really sad. And I totally, though, having said that, you starting out your rant said something that is one of these things that makes Totoro so good. That everyone has layers and layers and layers of motivation mm -hmm. that you can excavate and you can figure out. She's doing all this stuff because she wants to make up for the fact that their mother is sick. She yeah. doesn't know how to respond and she's doing her best to try to overcompensate, to try to be over gentle. That's why she brings May to Satsuke in the school. It's not because she doesn't know how to take care of a sad kid. It's because emotionally she doesn't know how to respond to a kid whose mom is sick and she's sad and she can't bring herself not to do everything May wants because mm -hmm. she feels sorry for her. Yeah. And it is bad for Satsuke, who is taking on the responsibility of being a mother in the house, as the mother explicitly says. She tries to be so grown up because her mother's not there. Yes, absolutely. But like... It's really typical of Miyazaki that, like, Granny is kind of awful, but she's so human. Oh, and awful in a way that absolutely there are people like this yeah. that you meet. And, like, people say things like that to children. Like, that's not, like, I mean, I think it's awful, but not in a villainous way, not in a, you know, inhuman way. It's completely what a person would do and completely a familiar thing, which is why it makes me so mad is because I know there are people who say this kind of stuff. That brings us a little bit to actually, uh, I should, we should have maybe said this in our original little 
taking stock of this movie, but boy, is this a movie without a villain. Yeah. Oh, no villain at all. Nope. Granny's the closest there is to a villain, and Mm. she's not at all a villain. She's just a foolish woman who does not think about how her words will impact impact these kids. Mm -hmm. But, like, Granny... The the mother's sickness is a shadow over everything that Granny does. And then you can look at the family. I feel like watching it this time, for the 30th time or whatever, I kind of saw in a new way how much the mother's sickness is affecting the father. Hmm. Because he his reaction in the bath, when the house is creepy and there's sounds, and he laughs when you're scared laugh and the things you're scared of won't scare you anymore Mm -hmm. and like that's good parenting Mm -hmm. and good like good job keeping your kids reassured yeah but it's also exactly what he's doing he's scared that his wife is sick and he's very hearty and cheery the whole movie Mm -hmm. and when you put that together that like He never, he's always very like, well, we can, you know, Mm -hmm. extremely positive. Anytime he's talking to the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And even when he's not, like, he comes Mm -hmm. in and he, you know, hi, we're the Kitsukabis. We're just moved in. Come over sometime. Like, he's very positive. I was more thinking when he's by himself and, like, studying and he's concentrating so hard that he doesn't realize that, like, lunch time has passed. Yeah. Yeah. And May has wandered off. Yes, that's true. And you see the two things. You see, like, his very cheeriness in the context of laugh so that things you're not scared, things you're scared of don't scare you anymore. And you see in how Satsuke is acting. Mm-hmm. You see something about him. Because she is taking responsibilities, making lunch for everybody, taking care of May. And on one hand, you know, we watched it. We watched it with our nine-year-old next to us, and I elbowed her and was like look she's making lunch for everybody uh but at the same time as i said that i was thinking like she should not have to make lunch for everybody no she sure shouldn't and she is doing that because she feels like she has to because her mom's not there and her dad uh despite being really great throughout the whole movie like is not as together as he kind of seems like Mm mm-hmm And we can see through the cracks how worried he is about his wife, how upset he is about it, even though he puts on a really positive face all the time. The father is an amazing example of of a man in the, like, and maybe it's because it's not Western, maybe, I don't know, but it's just like, I'm so impressed with the father Mm -hmm. and how... uh, respectful of his kids he is yes when they say i saw totoro he doesn't laugh them off and be like oh you and your games he takes them up to the tree to like thank you for letting us live here and being really respectful of his kids and their what they are experiencing and there are moments too where she's like, "You're the flower shop, daddy," and leaving flowers. And he's like, "Yeah, uh huh." Just in the way of like, <laughs> "Wow, the, was that relatable?" <laughs> but like, I feel like that exact thing has happened with our kids. Yeah, that moment. I'm going to interrupt your 
good insights to be like that moment when he's studying and she's like i'm just off to run a few errands you be the flower shop i'm like this is exactly when our daughter was four Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing like "Uh uh-huh yeah exactly (laughs) sorry but yeah but yeah despite being like a little bit in that moment kind of ignoring her but while she's playing he is uh a good father and he but he and just struggling with like being worried about his wife and Mm -hmm. it's just it's a good example of a father and daughter's relationship Mm -hmm. where it's not daddy issues and negative things you see a lot in fiction yeah he's such a good father he's such an inspiring father he's Mm -hmm. so caring and loving and kind to his kids and respectful is what you said yeah yeah, he's just great. And he comes he's up lovely. with he comes up with games for them to like. Hey, not just like hey, go open the all the windows in the house. Hey, see if you can find the top floor there. It's hidden. Yeah. See if you can you know figure out how the water pump works. Like he just he makes it fun. Yeah. But it also yeah, he's just he's it's it's just a good example. Like I mean, we're always talking in this way too seriously part about how we don't like things and how like, oh, this is negative. But like, this is a movie where it's a really positive example of a father and a mother. And and when we were uh, first starting way too seriously, the reason we thought of Totoro, or the reason I thought of Totoro anyway, I don't know why you did probably the same. The reason I thought of Totoro as like, can I think of a movie where I can't think of any way of it being any better than it is, mm-hmm. is the quality of it, but the too seriousliness of it that like, I don't know that I have a single criticism in how this family is depicted. Yeah. Like he's so kind to his daughters and they're so uh, well-rounded. They're what children are like, but they're also what people are like. Mm -hmm. They have real feelings that really matter that are appropriate for the ages that they are. They're not stereotypical girls in any kind of way. No. And, like, I mean, they're not stereotypical girls, but they are very plausible that, like, she's fill- Satsuke's filling in the role of her mother, but yeah. in a really uh, touching and plausible way, not in a the filmmakers think that girls only have one thing to do in life way. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And no one's asking her to do that. She's taken it upon herself. And it's a sign of her maturity and also her vulnerability mm-hmm. at the same time. And like, and you have this neighbor boy who refuses to talk to them, who is like hilarious in his like, yes. uh, uh, he just kind of grunts at them. And like, man, if you've interacted with children, you've interacted with grunters because they're mm. <laughs> like, that's our youngest daughter sometimes is very like exactly like that just like not saying words even at an older age and uh in a worse movie there would be a romance between the two of them yeah but he's just a neighbor boy who's shy and but still kind yeah and he's not shy because he's like in love with her he's shy because he's shy of other kids he lives in his own head yeah and he and then also in a worse movie he would be 
picking on her. Yeah. And they would be like, oh, he just does that because he likes you. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is, he avoids her. He's kind of like, sticks out his tongue or he, he does the Japanese pull down your eye thing. Yeah. Uh, at her. But then he also gives them an umbrella because they need one. Mm-hmm. And like, he's great. Yeah, exactly. He's great. Everyone is great in this movie, and I love them all. He, he gives her an umbrella, and then she gives Totoro an umbrella. We had barely even talked about Totoro himself. Yeah, t- talk about Totoro. Well, you go talk. You talk for a while. I've talked a lot. I don't know about Totoro. Totoro's <laughs> great. I love him. I don't know. In terms of too seriously, like, Totoro is explicitly labeled as being a forest spirit. He is connected to the big old growth tree. There's an environmental sub- an environmentalist mm-hmm. theme in this movie. But I don't know what exactly, where exactly to go with beyond pointing that out. Like Totoro is a, a manifestation of the fact that you can live in peace and harmony with the forest. If you live in peace and harmony with them. And that's a very important message for Miyazaki who lives in Japan that has become very industrialized. And uh, I know that from behind the scenes things for his movies, he works with all these people who only live in Tokyo and don't even experience this rural mm-hmm. forest kind of things. And so he wants to preserve that and promote that in his movies. And there's like, in some ways, uh, Totoro has a very similar theme to Princess Mononoke, but taken like turned down to one instead of a, turned up to ten. Yes, yeah. Where it's like, you can find a way to live in harmony with the forest. If you're kind to them, they'll be kind to you. Mm -hmm. The forest is alive. The forest spirits are a uh, metaphorical representation of of nature. Um, And so Totoro is this big, scary... Like, he's not scary, he doesn't ever act scary, but he is really big and has an enormous mouth. And when mm. Mae first meets him, he, you know, growls in her face and his mouth opens wide enough that he could swallow her and not notice. Yeah. But because she is innocent, and uh, because she is not aggressive to him, he's not aggressive to her. And then he, you know, interacts with them and gives them gifts of... Trees and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what I, like. That's not. There's not a lot to say about that. Yeah, that, for I mean, me. that is. Yeah, exactly. But that's that he is. represents environmentalism. He mm-hmm. represents the environmentalist theme and how uh, the humans and the forest can live in harmony. I wondered about when. Um. In the kind of dream sequence, sort of, they make the trees grow really big, really fast. Mm -hmm. And how the tree grows looks very mushroom cloud-esque. And for a movie that takes place in Japan, that's significant. And I don't know if that's on purpose, but I feel like it is. It's a tree that looks like a mushroom cloud, and it's... A good version of that. And this movie takes place in the 50s. Mm-hmm. I looked that up to check. And it takes place in the mid-50s. And so, like, 
If the, it's Japan, if it's Japan in the fifties, it's recovering very much recovering from World War Two, recovering from these nuclear attacks, nuclear bombs that got dropped on them. And that is a like to incorporate this kind of mushroom cloud imagery into it, I feel like isn't an accident. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure exactly what that's saying, other than like to replace the death with the life. Yeah. Yeah. But that's definitely something that stood out to me this time watching it. I mean, mm. trees are shaped like that, so maybe that's just a... a maybe it's maybe just it's not uh, on purpose. Whether it's on purpose or not, though, you saw it, so it's there. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I haven't ever seen that, so I haven't... Hmm. Like, you're bringing this up, and I don't have prepared thoughts about it at all. Yeah. But I think the imagery of the mushroom cloud in all the world, but in Japan more than anywhere else, has got to be imagery of death. Mm-hmm. And then the growing trees is clearly imagery of life. Yeah. And that life comes from harmony with nature. Mm-hmm. A peaceful life in harmony with nature is a blessing to everybody. Yeah. And the vegetables that Granny says are magic vegetables that are going to heal the mother don't, but they kind of do. Mm-hmm. They kind of are magic vegetables. Yeah. That is, good food grown out of the good earth really is good. Mm-hmm. You know? And their father works in Tokyo, I believe. Yeah, and I think so. Yeah, he works at Tokyo University, and he commutes back and forth. And so clearly they've moved from the city to the country, and they've come to this more rural area where, they, where they're going to grow vegetables and have a garden and she's the hospital's three hours from where they moved so you said it the like granny says it's a three-hour walk for an adult from their house to the hospital yeah you said at the beginning that they moved there to be with to be close to the hospital or whatever no but japan is physically small yeah there's so many places could be closer to that hospital yeah i don't think they moved there because of proximity to the hospital but i think they definitely no, I think they moved. They moved there because she's sick, right? So they because living in the country is a place where she's going to be healthier. Mm-hmm. In so this is just a bit of background information. They never say in the movie what she has, but in meta text in comics about it, she has TB, mm-hmm. and it with TB you'd want to live in the country. You'd want to live somewhere right. you could breathe more freely. Yeah, even if we ignore the meta text. The uh, symbolic meaning is clear that they're moving to where there's vegetables growing and there's tree spirits and Mm -hmm. the tree spirits will bless you if you bless them. And that is a a more um, wholesome place to be living. Mm -hmm. So Totoro, like the best movie. I want to say just one thing that I should have put at the beginning I worry, we, have, we are so bad at structuring our <laughs> podcast because this isn't really so seriously. But if we're done talking so seriously, I want to just talk about this song, the theme song <laughs> for Totoro, which is just one of the top five best things ever. <laughs> but like the theme song in this version, and I think the other, like the lyrics of it are written by Miyazaki. But the translation of him... The translation is a bit funny. It's so funny. funny. It's so hilarious. Because it's 
all just like literally describing the movie. Yeah. It's like it's the best the, my favorite part is open wide your umbrella for him watch him stand in the ring because it seems like it's gonna be like open up your heart but then it's like no open up your umbrella because that's what she does and it cracks me up every time don't be afraid just open wide your umbrella for him see him play in the rain We'll so clip, insert clip. <laughs> fantastic, and I love it, and it makes me, my heart warm. Yeah. It makes me feel happy all the way to my toes. Yeah, and the Hey Let's Go at the beginning, too. It's also it's so also good. It's also a little song. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, Totoro, Totoro is the is best. Is it good? Is it good? Yes. Is it seriously good? Yes. It's like... The best. I think of all the ones we've watched, it's the goodest and the seriously goodest. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yep. And it's highly influential. A lot of the movies we've reviewed are influenced by this. Yeah. Or not a lot, but some. The best ones. Animators are. <laughs> animators are influenced by Miyazaki. Yeah. Good ones. So if you haven't, if you've listened to this entire episode about Totoro and haven't seen Totoro for some reason, I can't really imagine why you would. But... <laughs> Go watch it, whether you're a child or a child at heart. <laughs> so at the end of this, I want to just do a quick shout out to the reason why we could watch this movie is that, okay, so our original copy, our original DVD got so scratched that we couldn't watch it anymore. And it's not on Netflix or anything like that. Uh there is a hashtag on Twitter called show up for wishes where people put up an Amazon wish list or a wish list list of things that they need or want and for random strangers to buy for them. And Totoro was on our list. It was on my list. I put it out there into the world and uh, one of my Twitter followers bought it for us. And I hope that he's listening to this and can listen to us take it way too seriously. So thank you, Matthew, for that uh, Totoro CD, DVD. It means a lot to our family, and we're going to keep on watching it over and over. Until it gets Until scratched it gets beyond recognition. <laughs> and hopefully take better care of it this time. Yes. But yeah. Thank you. Thank and uh, if you want to interact with us on Twitter. You can you find can... us on Twitter at WTSCast. We are checked. Twitter several hundred times a day, so we'll definitely see and answer <laughs> anything you say. Um, you can send us an email, way too seriously cast at gmail.com. If you have something longer to say or something you don't want to say in the public sphere of Twitter, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Reddit and all of the places. We are not as uh, active there, but if that's where you want to be, we will be active just for you. And if you like this podcast, you can, the best things you can do for it are rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and we're completely supported by patrons. We have no other podcast income at all. So uh, that makes it possible for us to do this. So if you want to support us on Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash clockworkscast. All right. Thanks for listening. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. I don't... What's the... We, we don't have a thing. We don't have a thing. So we just say, hey, let's go. Hey, hey let's go. Hey, let's go. 
We're happy as can be. Let's go walking, you and me. Let's go podcast, you and me. <laughs> Ready, set, let's, let's go. go.